Welcome everybody to another great installment of Calvary Christian Center. We pray that today's message encourages you and inspires you like never before. So sit back, grab your notes, your notepad, and enjoy this message live from Calvary Christian Center. One more time, give Jesus a great big praise. Come on. Come on, let's lift him up like his goodness is running after us today. It's my custom to stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're ready for the Word, shout, bring it on. I don't know about you, but I'm reminded that I need the Lord. How many of you need Him today? We're in this season of dedication, and we're starting a new series on devotion. And I want the Lord to know that no matter what, I'm devoted to Him. I believe I have a word for somebody today. Look to Psalms chapter 42. Thank you for your prayers. I sure need them. I receive everyone, me and my family. Psalms 42, verse 1. As I said, we're in this season of dedication. I want to talk to you about being devoted. How many of you want to be radically, totally, completely, no holds bars, committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's me. Psalms 42, 1. As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirst for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go down with the multitude I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Midzer. Deep calls to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me a prayer to God for my life I will say to my rock why have you forgotten me why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with the breaking of my bones my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long where's your God Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. Have you ever had a yet praise? You didn't have the money yet, but you praised him. You didn't have the breakthrough yet, but you praised him. You didn't have what you wanted yet. But you say, God, I'm going to praise you because I believe that you are who you say you are. 
If you've got a yet praise and you believe he'll help you, why don't you give him one right now? Why don't you give him one? Come on, Calvary, why don't you join me and let's magnify the Lord. I'm gonna preach today from my heart to yours on the reward of extravagant devotion. If you wanna be devoted to God, you're not ashamed to admit it, slip up your hands. Father, release anointing over me, strengthen me, revelation in the hearts of your people. May we never be the same. We'll give you praise. Only if you love the Lord, only if you love him, give him praise right now. Only praise him if you're thankful. I said only praise him if you're thankful. You can be seated. I'm talking to you today about the reward of extravagant devotion. I want to give you a little insight into this text and maybe even into my life. Here in this season of dedication, I have decided that I don't want to be kind of or sort of devoted to God. I don't want to just be with him in the good times. I want to be extravagantly, completely, monumentally, radically, devoted to Jesus. It seems to me that in our culture today, folks are okay with us if we're a people of faith, as long as we don't take that faith too seriously. They're okay if we come to church. They just don't want us to be the church. It's okay if we have part-time faith or spare-time faith or once-in-a-while faith our Sunday faith. They just don't want that faith to be taken too far. It's okay to be zealous and extravagant when it comes to sports or when it comes to fashion or when it comes to success or money or possessions or even video games in this generation. But if you become too extravagant for God, People look at you like you're crazy. If you become too extravagant for God, too radical, too devoted to his cause, they tell you that's just too much. But I've come to say today that that's just the kind of pastor I wanna be. That's just the kind of church I wanna lead. I wanna lead a church that is all the way in. I wanna lead a people that are radically devoted to God that trust him in the high times and in the low times, that walk with him not just on Sunday morning, but they walk with him when they leave this place, that the God of this house gets in their car, that the God of this house goes to their job. I'm looking for people who don't want a casual relationship with Jesus. But I've come looking today in this last service on the central campus, I've come looking for the people who want to be extravagantly devoted to the Lord. Are there any extravagantly devoted people here today? In all of the Psalms, there's maybe not a more beautiful Psalm than this. In Psalms 42, David pens these words. It came not just from his hand, not just from his head, but it came from his heart. In this Psalm, we see not just normal devotion, but we see the devotion of a man who crossed the line. 
He went from normal devotion to extravagant devotion. And if you look at the word extravagant, extravagant means lacking restraint. It means exceeding what is reasonable, what is normal, what is appropriate. No friends. There was nothing normal about David's devotion. David was extravagantly devoted. When David penned these words, he was actually running like a scared rabbit. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong in his life. He's fleeing because he is being pursued by King Saul and 3,000 soldiers. He's in a place called En Gedi. En Gedi is an oasis right in the middle of the Judean desert. He's hiding in a cave trying to survive the attack that he's under. Can I say this to you, precious? He is anointed, but he's still having trouble. He is delivered and destined, but he's still fighting and going through hard times. He has a God that has a plan for his life, but he's still under attack. I wish I could tell you that your salvation excludes you from going through difficult seasons. I wish I could stand before you today and tell you that there'll never be times when you'll wonder why am I going through what I'm going through. This was not what I thought and this was not what I planned. But it's in those moments that your devotion to God goes beyond normal and predictable. It's in those moments where your friends look at you and say, I don't even know how you are worshiping like you're worshiping, but it's because you know in whom you have believed and you are persuaded that he is able, no matter what I see, even though he slay me, yet will I praise him. It's that kind of devotion that crosses the line. And that's right where David was. Don't miss it. In the Judean desert, there at En Gedi, and I've been there many times. He's not just devoted to God. Under this pressure, he is extremely, extravagantly, lacking no restraint, succeeding the norm. Going beyond what is reasonable, he is devoted to the Lord. But in the midst of that radical devotion, God, provided rewards. And I wanna tell you, there will be times when you will have to have this radical devotion to God when it's hard. When you're having desert days and lonely nights, can I preach to real people? I wish I could stand before you and tell you those days won't come, but they will. But the God that I serve will make sure that you are not alone in those moments. So I'm gonna share with you the rewards of radical devotion. Number one, the reward of extravagant devotion to God will produce an oasis in your desert. Here David is, and I've been to this place called En Gedi many times. I've been right there in this Judean desert. I've been right there. It is across from the Dead Sea. It is the lowest, perhaps the driest spot on earth. But En Gedi means the fountain of goats. And there are these little goats, these small goats that run all over En Gedi. Right in the middle of this lowest part of earth, right in the middle of this dry Judean desert, En Gedi just comes up out of nowhere. In this desert, this oasis comes up almost out of 
of nowhere. The caves you see dotting the sides that have been in the mountains that have been carved out by the hands of God, they are there and that's where David hid in one of those hundreds of caves to preserve his life. And right there, there he finds an oasis of En Gedi. And in the midst of all this dryness and death, everything outside of En Gedi is dying. Everything outside of En Gedi is perishing. Everything outside of En Gedi is dry. But right in the middle of this desert, there is an En Gedi. And everything in Gedi in En Gedi is thriving. See, people who are extravagantly devoted to God will thrive in environments that others can't survive because God will send an oasis in the desert. I'm going to say that again. I want to say it again and let's bring it up in the back if we can. People who are extravagantly devoted to God will thrive in environments that others can't survive because God will send an oasis in their desert. I want to tell you today, God will send an oasis in your desert. He doesn't promise that times will always be easy. He never said that you won't go through a desert of heartbreak or rejection or betrayal or trouble or trial, but God will send you an oasis. You will make it where other people didn't make it. You will thrive where others can't survive. You will live where others die because the God of angel armies will provide strength that you did not have and hope that you don't even understand. And away in the wilderness, he'll give you an oasis in the desert. Somebody praise him if you believe it. David is broken and brokenhearted. He didn't think it would be this way, but God sent an oasis. Is there anybody here that has ever gone through trial? Have you ever been weeping yourself to sleep at night? Have you ever wondered what your day would hold? Have you ever been betrayed or disappointed or in trouble or heartbroken because you thought this would be different, but it wasn't? This would have already happened, but it hasn't. I would see this already, but it hasn't manifested. I'm under attack. Have you ever been in that desert place, but right in the middle of it, God provides an oasis. He brings you hope right in the middle of hell. He brings you away right in the middle of no way. When David ran from trouble, he ran right into God's provision. When he ran from trouble thinking he was fleeing from Saul, God had him set up and said, I'm going to make a way for you and you're going to make it. See, don't you know that as he sat there outside of his cave, he's a young man. He's pinning these words. He sees the deer. He sees the goats, and they're coming to the water brook, and there's several waterfalls in Engedi. And it is absolutely gorgeous. When he talked about your waves and your billows, they overflow me. He would have literally been talking about standing in that waterfall in the desert. And those waves and those billows and those waterfalls are overflowing me. I was just recently at En Gedi and I watched the children of, of the Jewish people in those waterfalls laying there and letting that refreshing water overflow them. David is right there. He would have seen those goats come up to that to that waterfall he would have seen those deer and he begins to write as the deer those deers are panting he said as the deer comes out of that desert and pants for the water brook so my soul for you oh god pants for you oh god my soul thirst 
for the living God. Can you see the picture here? David said, Eureka, something extra is going on here. You see, David is thankful for the water, but he's thirsty for God. Oh, come on, somebody. I said he's thankful for the water, but he's thirsty for God. See, sometimes you need to go ahead and thank God for the trouble. Sometimes you need to go ahead and thank God for the people that did you wrong. Thank God for the storm that you went through. Thank God for the rejection. Thank God for the trial. Thank God for the tears. Thank God for the heartbreak. Because the devil thought that these situations would alienate you and separate you from God. But the truth is your trouble didn't kill you your trouble only made you thirsty ah, Jesus oh come on I said my trouble didn't kill me it just made me thirsty it made me say God I can't do it without you God I can't make it without you but you are the God that that still I feel the Holy Ghost in here that makes a way right out of no way somebody who's ever had an oasis in the desert give God a praise Your enemy doesn't realize your, your, your trouble won't kill you. Your trouble will make you thirsty. Thirsty for God. I wanna tell you somebody here today, you're gonna join your pastor and you're gonna find an oasis in your desert. You're gonna find an oasis in your low place and the very thing the devil thought he would use to kill you, you're about to flip the script and God is gonna provide an oasis in your desert. See, some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you had made it through what you've made it through and survived the storms you've survived and survived the deserts you've made it through had God not came where you were and gave you an oasis in the desert. Give him praise, devoted people. He will provide an oasis in the desert. Hallelujah. Number two, extravagantly devoted people. Extravagant devotion produces the reward of remembering. See, bear in mind, David seemingly would be swallowed up by his circumstances. All these things that are revolving around his life and wrecking his world. But he sits down and pins the words from his hiding place in Engedi. And he said, my tears have been my food day and night. Have you ever had seasons like that? Come on. We don't, we don't have to be super spiritual at Calvary. We can be real. Have you ever had times when, you, when, you, when, when your tears have been your food day and night? And then he said, while wow, they continually say to me, where's your God? See, there will be times when it seems like you cry in the morning and you cry at night. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying you have to live there, but sometimes you go there. You don't have to stay there, but sometimes we all find our way into the place of tears. And then they, then, then, then look at what the text says. And they continually say to me, where is your God? But then there are three words that change everything. David said, when I remember when I remember see this is powerful to me 
because right in the middle of the hardest time in his life, he is extravagantly, over the top, excessively, beyond the norm, devoted to God. Anybody can be devoted to God when you're not in the desert. Anybody can be devoted to God when everything is perfect. But when things are not going the way that you thought they would go, and you say, yet God, I remember. See, even though the band of men that he was with are ridiculing him, and they're saying, David, where's that God at now? Where's the God you wrote about? Where's the God you always sing about? Where's he at now? You talked about him, now where is he? And sometimes, can I be real? Sometimes it is the people who are closest to you that do the most to defeat you. It is the people that are heartfelt to you, even church folk, even folk that have your last name, even your family will do more to defeat you than help you. They will suck the faith right out of your life and they will put doubt in your soul. But in the middle of Saul's pursuit and the harsh life draining words of the people that David was sustaining, this devoted David, this extravagantly devoted man responded with three words that were a nuclear bomb to the attack of the enemy. He said, when I remember. Oh, let me talk to you. David remembered. See, as long as David remembered what God had already done, he knew that he would be victorious. No desert, no enemy, no demon, no devil, no king or nobody could rob David of the reality of remembering. He said, I already know what God is able to do. Y'all bear with me, I got to preach this today. I already know how God can bring me out. He said, I remember. Push your neighbor and say, I remember. Yeah, 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 when I remember, I remember. I remember when I was the family reject, David said. I remember when the prophet came to my house and all my brothers were invited and I was forgotten. I remember when I was rejected by my own dad. He said, but my dad forgot me, but God remembered me. He said, my dad forgot me, but God remembered me. Some of you are here today, your dad forgot you, but God remembered you. Your mama forgot you, but God remembered you. David said, I was anointed right then and right there. I remember, I remember, I remember when I went to war and I fought Goliath, I was underqualified. I had no training, I remember. I remember when he strengthened me to kill the giant, I, I remember. I remember when I moved into the king's house. I remember, I remember when I married the king's daughter. I remember. Somebody say, I remember. Yes, yeah, some of you right now, things ain't going good and your heart is broken. Things aren't just like you want it to be. But here's what you need to do. I, I remember, just, just remember. Push your neighbor and say, just remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people here today, they don't even know why you praise like you praise. They're surmising your situation and surveying your circumstances and saying, surely she won't praise him now. They don't understand that you ain't praising God for right where you are right now. You're remembering what he's already done and if he's done it before, he can do it again. I need you to high five somebody and say, I remember. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, can't, I, I can't stop right there. I need you to get real and look at somebody and say, I got to praise him because I remember. And if you believe that the God of your then is the God of your right now, why don't you praise him like you know it's the truth? I remember, I remember. People can talk about you, but they can't stop you from remembering. People can look at you like you're crazy, but they can't stop you from remembering. People can dog out your worship, but they can't stop you from remembering because they don't know like you know what the Lord has done in your life. I dare you to tell somebody I remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, remember, it means to recall. It means to remember what God has already done and recollect. But if you look at the word remember, remember is actually two words. It is the word re, R-E. Member, re, to do it again. Member, huh. So you can't, appreci you can't appreciate that definition unless you've been dismembered unless you've been torn up by the world, unless you've been broken by your circumstances, can I find somebody in the house to preach to? You, you can't appreciate being remembered until you've been dismembered, until you've been torn up and God reaches right down in your tattered, jacked up, messed up, dismembered world and he remembered you. He put you back together. Maybe you ain't where you wanna be, but you surely ain't where you used to be. You've been... Come on, somebody. The God you remember is the God who will remember you. I dare you to give him a praise right now if you believe he's remembering you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what you thought was over is not over. Say, God is gonna remember you. He's gonna put your future back together. He's gonna put your family back together. He's gonna put your destiny back together. God's remembering somebody who will remember him. Glory to God. Oh my God, Psalms 42, six, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Now watch this. From the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, and from the hill of Midsar. You look at the word Jordan, precious. And the word Jordan actually is defined as descending or down. The river Jordan runs down. And we all have down times. We all have times when we are down, but let me tell you, the God who came through before will certainly come through again. Down times. You say, I'm in a down time, Pastor. What should I do? Just remember. You say, Pastor, I'm in a down season. What should I do? Just remember. And then the Bible says that he remembered the hikes of the Hermonites. Hermonites, if you define the word Hermonites, it means sanctuary. 
A sanctuary is a place of protection. See, don't forget to remember all the times God protected you and gave you sanctuary. When the enemy wanted to destroy you, God gave you sanctuary. When you thought you wouldn't make it, God showed up and protected you. The Bible said in Psalms 27, when my enemies and my foes came to eat up my flesh, the Bible said they stumbled and fell. See, there's sometimes the devil thought he would destroy you, but God protected you. You're only here today because God has protected you. See, the Bible says when the devil comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. And that's a beautiful verse, but we've always read it wrong, I'm sorry to tell you. Most people read it when the devil comes in like a flood. The enemy, the, the Lord will raise a standard against him. That's really not how it reads. It doesn't read when the devil comes in like a flood, comma. The Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. It actually reads when the devil comes in, comma. Like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord, y'all ain't saying nothing, will raise a standard against him. You've been reading when the devil comes in like a flood, comma. The Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. No, the moment the devil comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. I came to tell you there's only one who is going to raise a standard like a flood in your life. He is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords and He's got it all under control. And if you remember, give Him a shout of praise. Then He said to the hill of Mitzar, Mitzar is actually a small hill and Mitzar means small. Can I say this to you? Your God is not only the God of the big stuff, He's the God of the small stuff. When you're extravagantly devoted to God, he'll take care of the small stuff. Some of you have been sweating the small stuff. Light bills and money for your new washer and clothes. Y'all don't make me preach. And hair. Come on, sister. Some things you'd like for God to do. Not big stuff, just small stuff. But I've come to tell you to remember, God is not sweating the small stuff. Because even, the, because even the big stuff is small stuff for God. There's nothing big or small that God can't take care of. I dare you to give the God who's in your details a mighty praise right now. Tell your neighbor, he's all in your business, come on. He's all in your business. He's more nosy than your mother-in-law. Come on, somebody. He's all in your business. He knows what you need. He said, while you're yet asking, I know how to provide for you even before it gets on your tongue while it's still in your mind. I'll come right down and I'll take care of the small things. Listen, if you've got the reward of remembering what God has already done, one, two, three, give him praise right now. Extravagantly devoted people, extravagantly devoted people, they get an oasis in the desert provided by God. They have the reward of remembering. But number three, extravagantly devoted people experience the reward of hope. Not only did devoted David remember, devoted David had hope. 
And David asked himself, I love this text, because he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. I love this because in our text, this is so mighty. Because David didn't question God. He questioned himself. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Notice David wasn't questioning God. He was, he was dealing with David. It was a snap out of it moment for David. It was a moment where David said, wait a minute, slap. He said, you better snap out of it. You better remember what God has already done. Have you ever had a snap out of it moment with yourself? I've come to give somebody a snap out of it moment. You've been wallowing in depression. You've been swimming in despair. You've been existing in hopelessness. And the devil wants to make you think that God is not on your side. But you need to just say, wait a minute. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Hope in God. See, you can have hope. People around you don't understand why you have hope, but you have hope that the world cannot give to you and the world cannot take away. You have a hope that says, I'll praise you anyhow. You have a hope that says, God, I know you're too good to do anything bad. Lord, even though I'm in a desert, you're still on my side. He said, I will hope in God. Honey, I'm right there. I've cried more this week, I think, than I have my entire life. My sister, my only sibling, she was not just my sister. She was my comrade because she and I together survived things as children that children shouldn't have to survive. We went through things together that children don't, shouldn't have to go through. One of my earliest remembrances of her is there is all kind of terrible things going on. We are standing behind a chair. She was a little bit older than me, and she is holding my hand, and I'm sitting there scared. We're both weeping, and I remember that we were just trying to make it through our childhood. She was more than my sister. She and, she and I had been through so much together. Last Sunday, after I preached these three services, two here and one in Ormond, I got home. We were about to have lunch. My nephew calls and said, she's gone, Uncle Jim. We weren't expecting it. Even though she had been sick, this wasn't the way I thought it would be. But she sat with me a year ago. She said, heaven is near. She said, I feel like I'm going to be taken to heaven. I know what's going on. It's my time. She said, Jim, I want you to take my children, and I want you to love them like yours. I want you to be a grandfather, you and Dawn, to my grandbabies. I want you to create family for them. Of course, I said yes, but I didn't think it would happen. I was holding out. I was believing. I talked to her several times on the phone almost every day 
Some of you are saying, preacher, how can you have the week you've had when you just laid your only sister to rest? How can you stand up and preach three times? You know how I can? I have hope. I have hope in God. I have hope in God that though I don't understand why we've gone through what we've gone through, I have hope in God. I have hope in God that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I have hope in God that she's not on dialysis anymore. I have hope in God that that death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy string? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I have hope that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. I have hope that she's in heaven. I have hope that she took her last breath here and her next breath in glory. I have hope that she has seen Jesus. I have hope that she's seen my father. I have hope so I can't be swallowed up in despair. Am I sad? Have I cried? Will I cry some more? But I don't weep like everybody else weeps because I have hope that God is going to be faithful. I borrow this from a man that I heard say this a few weeks ago. I knew this about my sister. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to be all right or she was going to be all right. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Let me tell you, she's healed, she's all right, and she's with family. The devil does not win hope in God. And here's where the line crosses. David said, hope in God, for I will yet praise him. The word praise there is the word yada. Yada literally means axle. It's where we get our word axle. Yada is from the Hebrew word meaning axle. What does an axle do? An axle in a car turns it. You can't turn something without an axle. And the Lord said, no matter how bad it gets, if you will praise me, you'll turn your situation around. It is a devoted praise. It is a provoking praise. It is the praise that brings God's presence into your situation. I dare somebody right now, if you want things to turn around, don't wait and praise him. Bring him a yet praise. Bring him a yada praise. I don't have the money yet. I don't have the opportunity yet. I don't have what I want yet but I'm gonna praise him anyhow, for he is the help of my countenance. One, two, three, give God a yard of praise. So I stand before you today 
I was able to collect myself a little bit more every service. I preached with more strength in this service. Because I found hope. And hope is kryptonite to the down times of life. say preacher I feel down what should I do even if you feel down it's time to look up it's time to praise the Lord say pastor it's too extravagant you should have taken Sunday off that wasn't that wasn't in the cards for me the Lord said I'm going to have you preach out of your pain And he said, while you're helping them, I'm going to help you. Some of you right now, man, you're in a desert. You're in a desert. You're in a desert. But if you will stay extravagantly devoted to God, you will find you're in Getty. He will give you what you need. You will make it. Hallelujah, never would have made it. Never would have made it without you. I would have lost it all. Now I see that you were there for me. Never would have made it. Never would have made it without you. I would have lost it all. Now I see that you were there for me and I'm stronger. I'm wiser, I'm better, so much better. Can I get a witness? When I look back at all he brought me through, it's his hand that I have held on to. Never would have made it all. Never could have made it. If that's you, come on, give him praise right now. Three things. You can be seated for just a moment. I'm stronger. My trouble got me to Jesus. 
My trouble made me thirsty. First thing that happened to me last week was I said, Jesus, I need you. Slow it down just a little bit. I'm closing with this. I wasn't planning on saying this, but I feel like I need to. Extravagant devotion will bring you in an oasis in the desert. Extravagantly devoted people find the reward of remembering. Extravagantly devoted people experience the reward of hope. But the last thing, perhaps the most beautiful of all, he said, I'm going to praise him for help. The word help there, just from my own personal study, I know it means on every side, in every season, for every circumstance. That means whatever you need, God's going to help you. If you'll stay devoted to him, Everybody bow your heads for just a minute. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I don't want anybody to leave, but if you're here, you'd say, Preacher, I've been in that season that you've been preaching about. 2019 was that kind of year for me. And I need some help from the Lord. If that's you, slip up your hand right now. I just need some help today. I need some help. In the name of Jesus, as you raise your hand, I declare that your son will not perish. Your daughter will not die in sin. I declare you have hope in God. I declare today miracles are manifesting in your life. I declare today that in the middle of your desert, God is bringing an oasis. I declare today in the mighty name of Jesus that even though the enemy has come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is raising a standard against him. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, I do not allow you to quit. I do not allow you to give up. I declare you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I release over you hope help in Jesus name I'd like for my altar workers to join me up here real quickly we're going to do a couple things but we're going to take some time and pray for people with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you'd say preacher there's some things in my life that ought not be there and when you pray pray for me if you're not where you need to be with the Lord heads bowed eyes closed and you'd say there's sin in my life I'm the architect of my own desert. I need to put some things under the blood. If that's you, when I count to three, raise your hand. Are you ready? One, pray for me, Pastor. Two, Pastor, pray for me. Three, remember me. Slip that hand right up. Right up. Pray for me, Pastor. Hands in every section. I want everybody to take your hand and place it on your heart. Pray this prayer after me right now. Pray, Heavenly Father. Loud and strong. Pray, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, forgive me for all my sins. Take my heart, 
Wash it clean in your precious blood. I surrender everything to you. Take my life. Make it what you want it to be. Nothing more and nothing less and nothing else. Thank you, Lord. I want to be radically, extravagantly devoted to you. If you receive that word today, come on, give Jesus a praise. Come on, Pastor Don's going to talk to us a minute and pray with us. But I dare you to give the Lord a mighty praise. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it inspired you in every single way. For more information about Calvary Christian Center or to give, you can go to calvaryfl.com. And be sure to subscribe and like this podcast. And we will see you next week here on the Calvary 